a wizard, Harry. Book Club for The Goblet of Fire with Vijaya Shrestha, Michael DeMauro, and I'm Sarah Tompkins. This week we discuss Chapter 2, The Scar. And then we talk about scars in mythology and the Triquisitch Tournament rages on. We are back for our second round of uh, the Triquizard Tournament Quizzage Cup Edition. Is that <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Is that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, this because yeah. this is the first part of it. Yeah, that first makes task. sense. The first, the first task. Um, this is the first. So yeah, task. so I guess you could you could call it the first task. Uh, we are competing for points in the eventual awarding of a of the Quizzage Cup, which I don't think we said last week, but you know. That's, or Triquizard Cup. The, I mean, it's the same cup. <laughs> so. Shh, Michael. <laughs> don't, ruin um, the, don't ruin the illusion. And, uh, and and as you remember from last week, we're doing it a little bit differently. We have we have Megan Barney here, and she is our quiz master. And she's going to ask us two questions. In this, in this first round, it is going to be Sarah versus Michael. Oh, I forgot. I get this. <laughs> okay. Admit. You guys ready? Oh, yeah. already. All right. Sarah and Michael. What method of magical transportation did the Weasleys, Diggories, Harry, and Hermione use to get to the Quidditch World Cup? Uh, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Porky. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Yay, Very Sarah. good, Sarah. My buzzer, my buzzers. I just had to work out my buzzer, you know? <laughs> You were so excited about that one. That was great. Oh man! Oh man! I knew the answers. Mm-hmm. That was that was designated easy, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh, what? Well, yeah, it was actually. <laughs> I was like, really, really? <laughs> no, it was. Okay, All right, All right. Michael, it's you and me, you and me, bro. Me and Bajaya. All right, Bajaya and Michael. Who is the head of the Department of Magical Games and Sports? Beep. Bajaya. Ludo Bagman. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. You got so excited Damn, with the beat. girl. Damn. Well, then. Um, that was uh, fast and painful. <laughs> Michael got zero points. Michael got zero points. <laughs> um, uh, that is correct. Thanks, So, Bajaya. Bajaya, I want to tell you about this thing called hubris. Be careful with it. <laughs> you did get burned by it last time. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Real bad. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah. So Michael got zero points, and um, which means that the current running total is Bajaya with two, and Michael and Sarah tied for last with one point, <laughs> or tied for second. You could say second, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess I said that. All right, well, thanks, everybody. Anything but anything but gold is losing, Bajaya. We'll see you next week. Bye. There is no second place. Chapter 2 The Scar 
this chapter is called The Scar. It should really be called The Exposition. Um, <laughs> because that is what this chapter is. Not that that's a bad thing. And actually, I will... I actually am interested to talk to you about it after I'm done summarizing because it's kind of interesting. So basically, uh, in the last chapter, all this dark stuff happens. There's a murder, and then we see the sentence across town, across the universe, whatever. Harry Potter wakes up. So this starts with Harry Potter waking up. Harry wakes up because his scar is killing him. It hurts so bad. He's never had this happen really before other than when Lord Voldemort was really close by. So, of course, this freaks him out. And so he goes over to his window. He looks out. There's nothing around him. There is no Voldemort. No creepy cloaked person. Not a cat. So McGonagall is not nearby. (laughs) He he's thinking, he's like, Voldemort can't be near here, but my scar has never hurt other than that. So he, you know, he's looking around his room, trying to see if there's anything different. But he starts to remember slowly, but also it's slipping away at the same time. These memories of a dream that he had, or was it a dream? There were two yeah. men in a room, and they were in front of a fireplace, a hearth, and there was a giant hmm. snake on a rug, and they were hmm. talking. And one was named Wormtail. No, this sounds like last chapter. And the other was Lord Voldemort. <laughs> yes, this was actually like this is this is the equivalent of a clip show episode. Like I remember. <laughs> so anyway, so he's he's seeing these things and he's not exactly sure. He hears he hears some words. He hears some you know them talking, but he can't quite make out what they're saying. And he thinks there's another person in a room because he sees them. He sees them drop dead. But as he's trying to remember this, everything is slipping away, slipping away. And he looks around his room. He's like, is there anything unusual here? And the dialogue or the text as dialogue is saying, you know, of course there are unusual things in his room. There's a trunk full of broomsticks and wands. There's a robe. There's a cauldron. How? So we look out. We look out all over his wizarding stuff because he goes to a wizard school. And then and he goes over to this book that has moving pictures in it. Literally, not moving pictures in the sense of a speaky or a talkie or whatever they call it back in the 30s, but moving pictures, actual photographs that have moving people in it. And they're on broomsticks flying through the air, shooting goals through hoops 50 feet in the air. And he shuts the book Whoa. and he's like, F the Chudley cannons, I don't care about them. Because it's a book about a sport called Quidditch, which is a wizard sport. Hmm. Yeah, it's a very, it's a, you know, that's his life now. He is actually a wizard and, and he's, he's, he's experienced pain before. He talks about how one time he broke his, his broke his arm when he was playing Quidditch and the bone was actually removed. Um, what? Yeah, it like disappeared. He had to regrow it, which was the more painful part. And then like later that day, not that day, but like later that month, he got stabbed through the hand with a uh, thing and, then he broke his arm the next year. So he's like, ah, whatever, I've experienced pain, but this is the worst pain. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't know what to do. Uh, thankfully, the Dursleys, his aunt and uncle, who he lives with, who he hates, uh, are asleep the way he likes them because they're quiet and they don't <laughs> beat him. They always tell people that he goes to a school for the crim- for uh, incurably criminal boys. Uh, that's just their front, even though and they know he can't perform magic. But now he has the advantage of saying, I can't perform magic during the summer, but I do have a super murderer godfather, um, even if he's not a super murderer. <laughs> spoiler alert. 
So he's thinking about how he should approach this scar, what 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 he should do about it hurting, because he doesn't he doesn't know why it's hurting. So he thinks, oh, I'm looking at these birthday cards from the end of July when my birthday is sent to me by my friends, my BFFs, Hermione and Ron. Hermione would say, you should talk to Dumbledore, who's the headmaster of the school. And he's like, what would Dumbledore mm-hmm. say? I don't even know where Dumbledore goes on vacation. And he imagines Dumbledore in, like, robes and his hat and putting, like, suntan lotion on his nose on a beach, which is really <laughs> adorable. And I could totally see him, like, with Birkenstock sandals, just chilling. He, he'd be wearing he to- a Speedo. Well, yeah, he totally would. Maybe with some, like, cool stars and moons on it. Then he's like, no, I shouldn't do that. Maybe I'll talk to Ron. And Ron is his redheaded friend to his freckles. And he's like, no, Ron would just ask his dad, who works for the Ministry of Magic and deals with muggle artifacts. And he loves the, the Weasleys. They're the best wizarding family. And so then he's like, no, wait a second. I could talk to my godfather, Sirius Black, who is not a murderer, but people think he is. And he's on the run. And I send him letters sometimes. And he sends me letters, but they're not from owls. Owls is the way that I send letters. He sends letters from tropical birds because there are tropical birds with the wizards like or something. He's on the run. So basically everything is just a rehash of everything that's gone on in in the previous books saying, you know, these are my friends. This is my not family. Voldemort killed my parents. Everything is the worst, except that maybe I get to go to the quizit, quizits, <laughs> the Quidditch World <laughs> Cup soon because Ron talked about it. And so finally he decides that he's going to write a letter to his godfather, to Sirius. He starts this letter. He doesn't know what to do. Basically, he writes saying, hey, can you believe that Dudley's diet isn't going well? He threw a PlayStation out the window, which luckily still works because PlayStation is still a thing and they're still like a legitimate system. But I just imagine this book being written like if this had been written when the first book was like the sentence or this letter about him throwing a uh, PlayStation out the window had been written when the first book was around to be like. Dudley threw his Sega Dreamcast or whatever it is. He's <laughs> Nintendo 64 out the window. Hey, Sega Dreamcast is a great system. <laughs> and then he's like, hey, by the way, my scar hurts. What's that about? Say hello to Buckbeak, the, the hippogriff that you flew away on for me. And he signs a letter and he gets ready for breakfast. And that's the end of the chapter, guys. It's a good chapter. Yeah, so that we learned absolutely nothing we didn't know if you've already read the books before. We didn't learn anything new, except that Harry can kind of see dreams slash actual happenings that Voldemort like is actually taking part in, which could be a thing maybe in the future. And that's kind of interesting that, that he can see that stuff. And yeah, but I think my main takeaway from this despite it being just a chapter, like, recapping everything with absolutely no new information, is that, you know, for as much as it is rehashing everything that we already know, she does, JK does go about it in a way that's pretty interesting. She's, like, she kind of ties it into his experiencing waking up and observing different things in his room and thinking through, you know, like, he's looking at these birthday cards he got because it was just his birthday, and that makes him think of his best friends and they would be good at solving this problem but this is the this is what they would have for advice and like she just everything sort of rolls one into another in a pretty natural way that i think is pretty cool hmm. i don't know if you guys hmm. have any thoughts hmm. about this chapter yeah i guess it, yeah that's a that's a really good point because it didn't definitely in like the earlier books you really felt it when you're just doing that 
intro recap chapter where yeah. I was just like, this is Harry's not a regular new. boy. Right. And it did. This one was a lot more natural. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly it's clearly exposition, but also like, you know, we're also reading them one after another, first of all. Mm-hmm. But I do think like there is a sort of it's a good way to do it. And I guess I'm trying to think of other series that that have anything like this and if they were handled as well. But I don't think there's many series. I don't know. I guess I haven't read Lord of the Rings that much, so I don't know. But there are not many series that kind of super hash out things that were just in the previous book. But it's pretty pretty nice, natural way in like a sort of, you know, second season of a TV show recap in the first. Yeah, maybe she kind of thought that, you know, her audience mainly is kids and kids are stupid and maybe they'll pick up a second or third or fourth book and start reading it there instead of starting in the first. And she's like, well, I've got to help them out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I do actually, I do wonder, we haven't obviously gotten to the fifth book yet, and I don't remember how the fifth book quite starts. Sure. So I'm wondering how much of this there will be in the fifth book, if she even bothers really with it at that point. So I feel like fourth book, like you were saying, this is the yeah. first one you went to the midnight, midnight release for. So I feel like this is where it starts really picking up readership. Yeah. It came out in 2000. Right, so presumably she was still writing this when it wasn't quite as popular. I mean, it's popular, yeah. but not, yeah. not where it is now. Yeah, it came out in 2000 when Michael was just turning the tender age of oh, seven. come on. He was 63, Bajaya. Oh, Two sorry. episodes in a row. <laughs> this is not nice. <laughs> Let's keep this goof going. This, this, Thanks this. for the recap, Sarah. Thanks, guys. Sorry yes. that it Good was job, Sarah. stuff we've already heard and that it was kind of boring. Sarah, n- next time, could you bring a chapter where more things happen? Um, think, yeah. Think about Nagini... Close to Nigiri? I keep reading it that way. I think I'm just hungry. <laughs> Are you hungry? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Nigiri. Bye. Bye. Hey, Sarah. What? Do you have some stuff about scars to tell us? Uh, you betcha. Sarah, I haven't heard you talk enough this episode. Can you... <laughs> You know what? This is not a Sarah. This is a very Sarah episode. I love it. Yeah. No, you're really going to get sick of my voice because I talked without you guys interrupting me, which is a miracle of the first one because there's nothing interesting to comment on. Uh, But this time... I'm already sick of it. I actually... Okay, bye. (laughs) No. Uh, So I'm actually... I looked into Scars because, you know, we've read three going on four books about a boy with a scar. And, uh... We haven't really talked about scars that much, which I guess is not something you would think about per se, except that it is super pervasive. And I just did a chapter called The Scar. So, of course, my first my first little uh, piece of knowledge is the etymology of the word, because that's always where I start with anything. And it's this old French word that comes from this late Latin word, which is a Latinization of a Greek word. Basically from Escara. Uh, and that could be oh. pronounced incredibly wrong, but it's close. Um, and it means hearth or fireplace. And so Greek, <laughs> yeah, so Greeks actually talked about it in like 
a wound that was caused by burning or something else. Uh, um, uh, okay. Yeah, so that's where that's from. And interestingly mm. enough, and I doubt that JK, although she's very intelligent, so maybe our story started in front of a fireplace, this this, uh, this book, which is kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks, Sarah. That was a great segment. That's it. Bye, guys. <laughs> No, so I was trying to I was trying to like look up sort of a history of scars. I literally typed in like history of scars and history I, I was like mythology of scars and literally I, the first thing I clicked on was like mythology of heroes and I was like, yeah, I want to learn about heroes and it's actually like the NBC NBC TV show heroes. And I was like this is not That's not going to help out. <laughs> but anyway, so scars obviously have been part of human history as long as there have been humans one of the first like fictional characters i would say with that has a scar of note is actually odysseus and odysseus obviously goes on all of these journeys he travels he almost dies and he finally makes his way back home obviously it's an epic in the the literal truest sense of the word his wife penelope doesn't recognize him his dog recognizes him but his dog can't talk so his dog just dies <laughs> did you but, say the dog just dies yeah the do- have you ever read the odyssey the dog is like so excited that his master's back and he's really old because it's been so long the dog just oh, dies because he's so that. happy and excited yeah <laughs> Sorry, sorry. So anyway, Penelope, the wife, is like, I don't know who this dude is, but he should get a bath because he's really gross and filthy. And so his childhood nurse, um, uh, Odysseus's childhood nurse, comes to bathe him. And when she goes to like bathe his legs, she sees a scar on his leg that he got when he was younger, and that's how she recognizes him. And it's a perfect rendition of the London Underground. It is exactly the London Underground. Um, it's actually Dumbledore. He, uh, <laughs> has lived centuries and centuries. No. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's actually a huge thing. And his, his scars are sort of part of, you know, a lot of, I mean, Greeks didn't actually really like scars. Apparently they were kind of freaked out by them, which is totally, in line, well, it's totally in line with Greek character because they, they think everything has to be beautiful and unmodern and perfect. But but you can't obviously, help but have scars, though. Right, but but obviously, like people, he- heroes would have scars, and that was a sign of their journey. You know, like the Romans actually really thought scars were super cool. Hmm. Yeah, because it was a sign of of your your like your virtus, like your manliness and your warlike nature, because they were all about sort of martial rule yeah. and everything. So people would like use their scars as a as an authority symbol or a sign of status and they would be in the marketplace and be like yeah give me this bunch of grapes and they'd be like no i don't want to do that you don't have enough money he's like check out this sweet scar and they'd be like oh sorry sir um (laughs) that might be a dramatization but they actually did use their scars as sort of like trying to one-up people and and bring power with people to show that they were more manly before even before roman times and into more modern times like different cultures and tribes in in Africa, in like native Australians, so like Maori people, they use scarring as oh, yeah. as symbols of power, as rites of passage. Mm-hmm. So like first of all you have to go through the pain and then you have this visible sign that you've gone through this pain to become a man. Some of them it's just literally for saying, I'm part of this tribe or I'm part of this group or I'm the husband or wife of this person. And that's just, it was an easy way to mark people. And they would, you know, use burning. They would use stones, all of this stuff to actually make scars as a sign of status. I think we shouldn't mark um, Michael. 
Yeah, Michael, you're part of the the HP. Oh, no. I mean, in some ways, the tattoo is not a modern predecessor. And actually, there was some... I was reading some articles that are pretty fascinating. They're saying that a lot of, like, the reason that, like, Maori or African tribes use it more than, more than like, American Indians, which actually they American Indians do. They have actually different mythology. There's, like, this guy, this figure, Starboy, who's also called Scarface, who is a big part of, 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 of tribe. Yeah, so, like, that's part of their culture. But they're saying, like... A lot of cultures tattoo, but when you have darker skin, sometimes that's harder to find pigments that that show through as much. And so mm. scarring sort of is something that's more visible. So that was uh. a theory, a theory as to why it happens more often um, in these tribes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In more modern times, apparently, um, and these are all sort of like po- well, positive, I guess you could say, um, views of scars. Sailors and like captains back in like the 1800s would look at people and know if they were one a seasoned sailor if they had scars if they didn't they were like this guy's a chump. That's true. But also you got like you got beat a certain way you got like whipped if you were mutinous so they'd be like that guy definitely mutinied someone he's not getting on my ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently duels like obviously people dueled and like for a while like prussian university students would beat each other up in duels and then wear bandages around because they're like i'm so manly i just got into this <laughs> duel and like it was just, like yeah it was like status symbol but sort of and i and i think that you know i mentioned that like the greeks thought it was kind of they saw like basically outer outer characteristics even scars things that that you weren't born with even things like that as sort of an outer manifestation of your inner badness. So there yeah. is there is a sense of fear and sort of reproach attached to scars as well. So obviously there's scars that that are sort of used like as 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 a marker of being someone evil or bad and whether that's someone imposing that on someone who has one or somebody who uses them to like insert like oh no insert to to uh to like assert you know make people see them as powerful Mm. it's very prevalent Mm. so you know like al capone is a real life example of somebody who's he literally is known as like basically he's like people called him scarface before you know tony montana and he hated Um, it and he didn't like it nobody really knows how he got his scars and he never said and myth just spun and spun and spun and that built up a legend you know and then people also inflict wounds on other people as a way to intimidate them, to show their power. And I think that mm-hmm. partly that's what Harry has, because Voldemort obviously is more powerful. And so this is a mark of somebody who nearly killed him. It also mm-hmm. has become a mark of his survival. So it can be mm-hmm. both. Um, and so, you know, like... Some instances of, of of scars that are like I mean, people purposefully in horrible ways mutilate people. Like there's slavery, you know. They would mm-hmm. purposely put scars on people. I read some really messed up crap. Like there's this thing called the Glasgow Smile, which is like basically jokering someone and like cutting no. their face. Yeah, there's a thing called the Colombian necktie. Man, I went down a rabbit hole. I did not want to go down. I I've heard of that one. <laughs> that one's real gross. I don't like that. But basically, scars are are a physical reminder of something that's happened in the past. And whether that is something that people see as a good thing, like, you know, like war scars, they overcame a lot. 
or something that reminds them of something horrible or somebody feels like I have a lasting impa- impact on this person, you know, it's sort of in is it's a symbol of power. And whether you choose to claim that power, or someone else does is is kind of up to you or, you know, up to the world, I guess, to debate. But that's I think that's kind of where Harry lands. Yeah. Mm. Um, I have a funny scar story. Please tell oh, yeah. me. I have a kind of not a big scar, but I have a scar in my elbow. And it's from when we used to have to walk to the bus stop um, when I was in Nepal. And there was always a house that had a huge gate and there's always a dog there. And I could see the dog. So I was like, I was, this is like in fifth grade, I think. I was, like, bent over while walking, trying to look at this dog under this gate. <laughs> that doesn't and, sound like Bajaya at all. <laughs> and I and I felt like I tumbled down this hill, and I, I had to have my arm bandaged for, like, two weeks. Oh, and yeah. I have a scar there. Oh. Michael, do you have any it's, scars? It's my, it's my um, manifestation of the love Your that love I hold of for all dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got, I've got some okay scars. The one on my forehead's kind of gone, but that was actually a good one. I got hit in the head with a baseball bat when i was in the little oh league. my gosh yeah it was fun is that why you are the way you yeah went? no that's why that's a lot to do with oh it explains everything <laughs> you know most serial killers have some kind of have had some kind head of trauma. head injury well um i'm not a serial killer but thank you for, for that's what a serial killer would say <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have a big scar. I have a couple scars, but I have a big one on my chin. I got yeah, nine stitches down there. Yeah, I fell off a bike. Ooh. I think yeah. I fell downstairs when I was very small. Got some stitches. I remember crying because I was supposed to be a bride for Halloween, like in oh the next week. I literally was a bride for Halloween. That was my Halloween costume. Uh, <laughs> And I was crying because I was like, brides don't have stitches. My mom was like, maybe some do. And I was really upset about it. <laughs> now you're going as a pirate. <laughs> then, yeah. Yep. Um, I will no, say I'm a little sorry. disappointed because I thought this was going to be about the Lion King. Um, oh, my God. Wait, can, oh I tell you, can I tell you the best story? And I want to, I want to post this. I'm going to post this on the Twitters. Um so when you type in to Twitter or Twitter, when you type into, uh, hold on, let me see if Google. I can pull this up into the Googles, uh, famous, you type in like famous characters famous with scars. These are the first three results and they're the only one. So there's actually four results shown. I don't know the fourth one. I think he's a comic book character, but the first three, Tony Montana, mm-hmm. Scar, from the Lion King <laughs> and Bill Weasley. <laughs> really? Three that come up. Yeah, not Harry Potter. Not Harry Potter. Huh. Bill Weasley's the third one that comes up. And I was like, who's the fourth one? Uh, Scar. I didn't click on it. I think he's a. I think he's from the. I think he's from a comic book. Ah, so that's funny. I can I can huh. tell you in a second, but I don't actually. I don't actually know. So, but yeah, but so there you go. So. uh uh, Bill Weasley, guys, famous, most famous character. <laughs> Face does get pretty wrecked. Yeah, Spoilers, oh, Bill. And I mean, that's actually something to think about. Like, that's kind of it becomes a big part of who he is. But hmm. guess what? Domino Blair doesn't care. He's still hot as fuck. She loves him anyway. But yeah, so that's my long, boring She's story about scars. There's not a lot of. Yeah. I was trying to find more mythical stuff about them, like maybe some like superstitions. But there's not really superstitions, just hmm. sort of 
perceptions of power or not. Yeah, I feel like maybe it's also if there is stuff, it seems to be hard to Google. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, the only getting... the only mythology I seemed to come across was was that uh Starboy Scarface. Um mm. and then Starboy. And then um then there was sort of one or two uh Greek gods that had been like scarred by lightning bolts, but like that was just how it looked. There was no sort of deeper meaning behind it. It just had happened because mostly because Zeus was a dick. And just threw <laughs> shit at people. Raped everyone. Mm. Yeah, he was not a nice guy. Um, but yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot of I was hoping to find more. So if you if you know any sort of like mythos or mythology about scars, um I mean if you think what about it, like there's a ton of like there's a ton of fictional characters who have scars and that's like a big part of a big part of who they are or what you know. Right. It's either like an indication of something mysterious and bad that's happened in their past that they're trying to hide mm. or they're like some sort of like Freddy Krueger sinister creepy person. Right. So. Mm-hmm. And it should, I mean, just the, the fixation, cultural fixation on the stars is scars is pretty obvious when, again, when you Google, cause it's just like, there's just pages and pages of how to remove your scars. Yeah. Tons of like, co- like cosmetic stuff. And then, you know, and then there's also, like, I found a ton of, like, celebrities who have scars and how they got them. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like, it's kind of, like, it's also, it's pretty invasive, but it's kind of crazy. And, I mean, there are some people, I mean, you know, I, jokingly, I'm joking, like, Odysseus was recognized by his scar. But, like, that's the thing that everybody knows about Harry, and that's how they identify yeah. him is because mm. of his scar. They don't really, you know, he is synonymous with a scar and with Voldemort in a way. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to like lay claim to and overcome, you know, as a mm. kid to be like, okay with that. And also it's a symbol of his, his parents dying. That's a, it's a huge thing. You know, a lot of these stories talked about like battle and war scars and things like that. That's so, his. Yeah. yeah. So poor Harry, or awesome. maybe yay, Harry claim that. Claim that shit. Claim it. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, that was Sarah. really interesting. Yeah, thanks, guys. That was fun. For joining us for You're a Wizard, Ari. Special thanks to Alan Matthews, our editor, Jesse Carlton, who provided our artwork, and Sean Fagan, who provided our music. Hi, friends. Want to help us out? Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Or if you want to get in touch, email us at potterpod at geeklyinc.com. Want to talk to us on Twitter? Find us at potterpod. Or find me at her lady Tompkins. Michael is thrifty nerd. And Bajaya is ethnic ninja. 